0: Hello, welcome to Political Talk, the podcast where we want the truth, need the truth, and desperately seek the truth. For far too long, we've been led astray by news organizations that push their own agenda. The only agenda here is our agenda, the people's agenda. If you're tired of being told what to think, who to hate, then join me on this journey. Shall we begin? This week, we got the State of the Union. You know, the funny thing when you think about the State of the Union, you know, if you truly read the Constitution, the president can submit the State of the Union address and just submit it. He doesn't have to go to Congress and and, and talk about the State of the Union, but it has become this thing, a prompt and circumstance. You see, when the president stands up and he talks about the State of our Union, he has to show that the state of the union is doing well. He has to show and speak of a person who wants us to think of the good things about this union. He cannot talk about the bad things. You know, if you asked me, if you said, Mark, what do you feel the state of our union is? I would say right now the state of our union is divided. The state of our union is one where we don't trust each other. The state of our union is at a spot in this time we have never been in. We don't trust each other. Yet when you listen to the president's speech, he would have told you the best days of America are yet to come. You know, Reagan said it, Trump said it, Obama said it, Clinton said it, Bush and Bush said it. The great days are yet to come. America's best days are not behind her. And when we think about that, we can say, well, yes, you're right. The best days are yet to come. But right now we are not living in the best days. We don't trust each other we have a congress that is so divided they don't seek the truth they don't want the truth they don't need the truth they govern on tiktok and facebook yet they still want us to pay them the president put good proposals on the table but none will become law you see the state of the union you know i would have liked to heard I would have liked to hear the president say, right now, the state of our union is not a good one. The state of our union is at a point that we can reverse, but we have to be willing to do it. We have to be willing to get away from our parties and actually start working for the American people. The election is over give me one year to meet me at the table and let's work together let's work and put this country on the right footing let's put politics aside give me one year one year let's govern like our lives depended on it one year give me one year to show the American people that the Republicans and Democrats can sit down at the table and talk to each other. We don't need to raise money. The election is over but you see the problem is we're in this steady election cycle that just won't fucking end. We're constantly looking at, at next year. We're constantly looking at tomorrow. We're not looking at today. And yet the American people have to suffer. Yet the American people have to struggle. Why? Because Congress would rather get their sound bites right than fixing America. They would rather get their sound ba- sound bites right than doing what's right. Can you imagine if if the one year after the election Congress and the president actually did something. Actually governed and being instead of being at each other's throats. The Republicans want to say we've got the mandate. The American people chose us. So you have to be willing to listen, Mr. President. I agree with that. But I also want them to realize, you just have the House. So what you're pushing, you have to realize you still have to get it through a Democratic Senate. So if you go too far right, you're not going to get Democrats in the Senate to go with you. You're not going to get the president to sign anything. You have to be willing to meet in the middle because if you go too far right, this country will suffer because you have something to prove that I just don't know. You see, if you just give me one year, imagine what we can do for the American people. Imagine the taxes we can take care of. Imagine if we can actually work for the American people. Let's put a package on the table. Let's truly make this country beneficial for the middle class. You see, we talk about the middle class, yet we forget about them after election day because we don't need them anymore. We need our rich donors. We need to shift the focus and start looking at the people that put us here and stop putting the people who could give two shits and only care about their money. This country has to be better than what it was. Can you imagine if the president gave that speech? If he actually put proposals on the table that can actually pass, that he can get buy-in from both sides? Why do we have to govern in a way where we're so quickly just focus on the left? So quickly we're focused on the right. Let's focus on the middle. Let's get things done. Stop the messaging bills. Stop the fighting. Stop going on the road, bashing the other side because you're trying to get brownie points. The only point you need is the American people to agree with you. You see, if you said, Mark, what is the state of our union? It's not good. It's not well. Democrats are calling out Republicans for yelling and hollering and acting like a bunch of jackasses at the state of the union. But what did we see? Someone posted a video when the Democrats did it to Donald Trump. We have to get to a point where we respect the president again. You don't have to like Joe Biden, but respect the chair he holds. Because Congressman, Senator, you want the same respect from us. You want us to look at you and say, you don't have to like me, but I'm a Congressman. I'm a Senator. Yes, and I respect your office but it has to be a two-way street. You don't have to like the president, but respect the office. Give him the respect he deserves. So you think he's lying. Put a proposal forward. When do we get to a point in this country when the minority party refuses to put anything forward and all they do is bitch and complain? Show us what you got. Show us your side. But like I said, people are scared to put their proposals forward because if they put their proposals forward, guess what happens? The other side will bash it and tear it apart. So they won't. And if they do, they won't put meat in it because if they put meat and they put detail and how we'll get to what they wanna do, The outcome won't be good. They know the other side will bash it. The other side will hate it. Nobody will hate it if you just sell it to the American people. Give me one year. Give me one year. Let's sit at the table. The American people chose the Republicans to run the House. Let's meet in the middle. Give me one year. Let's put proposals that can actually pass. Let's actually work for the American people that sent us here, that pay us a decent wage. Aren't we tired of being in this cycle of always arguing, bickering, and getting nothing done? we're at a point in this country if we cannot get it right the american people suffer your voters suffer you don't suffer because you'll just blame the other side and when i talk about i talk about the state of the union i talk about the debt ceiling nobody wants to talk about the debt ceiling when Joe Biden brought up something, he said, under the last administration, Congress passed, raised the debt ceiling three times. They put a clean debt ceiling on the table and raised it three times. You know, if, if Republicans had gone to Donald Trump and they had begged for cuts and he actually agreed, I would say the Republicans have a right, have a heel to die on, because they did it under a Republican administration. But they don't, because under a Republican administration, they went along to get along. They never asked for cuts. They just raised the debt ceiling clean in fear. But when it comes to a Democrat, now we have an issue. And I agree, there should be some cuts. There needs to be something we can look at. But the the debt ceiling is money we've already spent. Maybe we need to look at future spending. But the problem is, Republicans don't know where to cut. They don't want to touch the social safety net. They don't know where to take the money because wherever they say, let's focus on this part and cut this, they know they'll get backlash. And God forbid they get the backlash because they don't want it. You know, I've been thinking. I have been thinking. Nobody wants to talk about Social Security and Medicaid and the social safety net. God forbid we talk about that. But when you truly think about it, you can save Social Security. You can save Medicare but you have to tinker with the programs. They need to be on the table. Rick Scott's plan of every five years, putting those those bills or those benefits up for a vote is stupid. It's a stupid plan. If you ask me, Mark, what would you do? I would raise the retirement age to 70, 75. I would means test the hell out of it. If you're someone who has, is rich, you don't need a safety net. I would look at the financial aspect of who is getting the money. You see, it's not popular. But if you truly want to save these programs, instead of getting to a point where these programs are about to lose money or go dry within 72 hours and you have a Congress that has to act overnight, let's take care of the problem now. Let's have a president, let's have a House speaker, let's have a Senate majority leader stand up and fix it. Let's not bitch and complain and talk about saving it. Yes, you save it, but you delay the inevitable. The inevitable, let's take care of it now. If we're truly gonna put things on the table, put it all on the table now. Not tomorrow, not next week, but now. I know it's not popular. But if we truly want to find cuts, let's start there. Let's look at the let's look at the defense budget. Let's look at other spending plans, uh, spending. You know, they say spending waste. You know, the funny thing is, Republicans are trying to change it, change the phrasing to finding waste because they know they put themselves in a box and they don't know how to get out. Know how I know that? It's because they wanted to look at what? They wanted to look at COVID relief spending. COVID relief spending. You know, the money that we we, we got from for COVID, but we haven't spent it yet. That told me one thing, they don't have a plan. They're so divided. That's the fucked up thing. They've allowed the fringes in their party to put something, to push them to this point. What a way to get out of it. And that's the problem. When you start letting the fringes of your party speak for the party, you're hurting the party. You're not making it better. You have to put the social safety net on the floor you have to put other spending on the floor you can't just say you want to go for to cut then you can't switch it and say well we want to find the waste that just shows me you do not know what you want but if you give me one year we can sit at the table we can work the numbers we can truly find a way to save this country for future generations. Just give me one year. Please, just give me one year. All I need is one year for you and me to sit at the table and talk. Let's talk about it. Let's be about it. The American people are depending on us. That's a hard thing to fathom. The American people are depending on us but instead you make yourself like a jackass. You hemp and holler, you call the president a liar, yet you have not put forth a proposal. And yet you hear the Republicans say, well, the Democrats need to put forth a proposal. Okay, I agree. But if you're the one who called for cuts, you can't go to the other side and say, well, show me what you got. No, it doesn't work like that it works with you showing me what you got first and then me counter, you know what I'm saying. The Republicans wanted both ways. They have put themselves in a box. You have a speaker that allowed himself to be put in this box. I agree with what Chuck Schumer said. Well, he I, I will say, he said there will be a clean debt ceiling. I hope there'll be a debt, clean debt ceiling. But I fear that we're going to get to the point where the Republicans are going to push us over the edge. Because I feel like there's a fraction of Republicans right now who share this belief that what if we default? What is the big deal? Nothing's going to happen nothing's going to happen. They are ready to go over the cliff because they believe in their head of heads that nothing will happen and it's all make-believe. So they'll hurt their voters as well as you and me. That tells you they don't give a shit about this country. All they care about is tearing down the system. Tearing the system down for what? So you heard us? Because of some ideology you had in your head that you feel that everyone should agree with? Like I said before, you know, under Trump, the debt ceiling was raised clean as a whistle three times without a problem. Now had that not happened, had Trump had to come to some cuts, I would say they have the high horse to stand on. But no. So for you to be under this democratic administration and now you demand cuts, it shows the hypocrisy. It shows the hypocrisy that you are pushing. That when a Republican's in office, you don't give a shit about the debt. You don't give a shit about the deficit. But God forbid when a republic when a democrat takes the helm, well we need we need to find the cuts. We need to find the cuts. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't have it both ways. It has to be fair on both sides. So think about it, if we go over the cliff, the dollar will be hurt. It could possibly you lose its standing on the national stage. And then think about that. If people start to pull away from the dollar, four people's 401ks will be hurt, the stock market could take a crash, we could be headed for a second recession. I mean, oppression. All because you have a party that believes It's okay to go over the cliff. No matter who gets hurt. It's never okay to go over the cliff. It can't be okay to go over the cliff. I'm not ready to go over the cliff because you have in your mind, this country has been sold a pack of lies. Where are the cuts? Show me. Give me one year. That's all I'm asking for is one year. You know, when you do the State of the Union, you also get the response for the other party. And sometimes it's meaningful and sometimes it's not. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, former press secretary to the president of the United States, Donald Trump, she gave the response. Her response was dark, it was gloomy. It was a response where she wasn't speaking to the American people, she was speaking to the Republican electorate. She was throwing phrases like, woke. It just had this dark tone to it. What amazes me that when people give a response, I mean, if you're gonna give a response to the President of the United States, shouldn't it be one where you reach out your hand to the other side. Why am I going to speak to just my voters? You need to expand the map. That's where Trump went in, that's where Trump got in trouble. It's okay to just speak to your voters, but you need more than just your voters to get elected. I mean, it's okay if you're coming from a ruby red state to speak to your voters. You know, you you got a safe seat. But think of the Republicans in not-so-safe seats. Think of the Republicans that have to fight tooth and nail every two, six years to get elected. You need a response that says the present policies have failed us. If you follow us, we will lead you down the right way. The president's spending is out of control. But you don't. You push this narrative of woke. You push this narrative of social issues. You see, the problem I'm seeing with the Republican Party is, Ron DeSantis, is you're pushing social issues, which tells me you're not talking about the issues at hand. I don't give a shit about social issues. I care about my taxes. I care about those potholes. I care about how you're gonna make my life better. But when you go and you talk about this low hanging fruit, think about it. It's so easy to talk about social issues. It's so easy to talk about parental rights. It's so easy to talk about that stuff. It's hard to govern. It's hard to truly push your ideology on the American people because you don't want to face pushback. Low-hanging fruit tastes well, tastes good, but getting to the meat of a subject sometimes burns. We can be better than that. Republicans can be better than that. They can get voters who don't agree with them by just putting proposals on the table that the American people will agree with. But when you go down this path of everything is woke, if you go down this path of transgender bashing, if you go down this path of banning books, If you go down this path of C-R-fucking-T. You see what I'm seeing? I'm seeing a party that wants to rewrite history. Because they don't like the history that is out there. Because, God forbid, Johnny reads a part of history that makes him feel uneasy. God forbid if Johnny's mom reads a part of history that makes him feel, makes her feel uneasy. Well, that's history. History is not supposed to make you feel good. History is supposed to make you think. Because if we don't read history, we're doomed to repeat it. If we bash trans kids and parents allowing their kids to transition, we're hurting those kids. Life is short. Kids get bullied every single day. We live amongst a generation that does not know how to process, does not know how to deal with these certain careful manners. And so when you read about these kids who have killed themselves, that should tell you something. But if you have a party that's constantly bashing those kids and those families, you're pushing those kids close to the edge to the point where they will take their own lives because you have something to prove to your Christian base. You don't have to like trans people. You don't have to like trans policies. You know, I grew up in a generation, I grew up in a generation where if it didn't affect me, you looked the other way. I wasn't dead set on getting people to think like me, because I didn't give a shit if they did. You know, if my mind, I said to myself, if people think like me, this will be a better world. But I came to the realization that my mom didn't raise everybody. Everyone doesn't think like me. We were all raised differently, and we have to learn how to respect that. But if you have a party that is pushing these policies of anti-woke, trans people are bad. Gay people are bad. We are are hurting our most precious. (laughs) We are hurting our most precious people on this face of this earth. We have to get to a point where we can learn to disagree. We can love you, but hate how you live your life. Isn't that the true meaning of being a Christian? I want to bring you in the full. I want to hug you. I want to tell you that I love you. I might not agree with how you live your life. But at the same time, I want to respect how you live your life. You see, we listen to Sarah Huckleby Sanders, and she talks to her voters. We look at Ron DeSantis and what he's doing in Florida, and you should be worried. These Republicans are taking a, a Trump platform and still trying to use it. Ron DeSantis thinks he has a leg up because guess what? He won big in Florida. Sarah Huckleby Sanders thinks she's doing well, but you you won in a ruby red state. You had an arm behind your name. Of course you were going to win the governorship. The The part that they will find hard is when you step outside of a ruby red state, when you step outside the arm of Florida, and realize that everyone doesn't think like you. That your pol- your policies have to expand. Your policies have to make sense and can't tell one half of the nation to shut the fuck up and just listen to me. And the other half, this we agree with you. Your policies have to be one of togetherness, of I might not agree with you, but guess what? I love you. Come in the fold. It can't be doom and gloom all the time. There has to be a a sprinkle of positivity sprinkled in. Ladies and gentlemen, if you just give me one year, can you imagine what we would accomplish? The Republicans have to find a way They have to find a way to get people to realize their policies are for everyone. They have to find a way to talk to everyone. They just can't talk to their voters. Politics is about expanding the tent, not keeping the tent small. That's where Trump went wrong, and that's where these current Republicans are going wrong. Can you imagine, in the midterms, had they did that? They wouldn't have the slim majority in the House. They would not have lost the Senate. But instead, they took the Trump playbook. And look where it's led them. It's led them to a small caucus. It's led them to a speaker that has become the weakest speaker known to man it's led them to a Republican minority in the Senate when they should have the majority. But if you put proposals on the table, if you put policies on the table where you're only speaking to your voters, don't be surprised if the other voters choose not to go along with you. You have to expand the map. You have to be willing to talk to the American people. I know it's hard, but it can be done. Trump did it in 2016. Obama did it in 08. Biden did it in 2020. Republicans can do it in 2024. But it takes the mindset of looking at yourself and saying do i want to win or do i want to keep my friends because if you want to keep your friends by all means keep your friends but your friends won't give you the majority that you crave that you want but if you want to win that means Coming to the middle. That means meeting in the middle. That means putting policies that speak to you and they speak to me. Because we all don't think on the right, and some of us don't think on the left. Some of us are moderate and want policies that truly are going to make this country better and not make it worse. Why should we put things forward that just slowly divide us? Let's put something forward that will mend us. I know it sucks. I know it's a risk. But when you get in politics, when you want the chair, when you want the seat, you have to be willing to take chances. You've got to be willing to take the big swing. That's how you do it. You have to be willing to bet everything on the farm. Ladies and gentlemen, policies can be made. It just takes a risk. And you have a republic, you have a Republican party right now who does not want to take that risk. So the take the low-hanging fruit. They'll talk to their voters. They'll tell us how the other side is evil, deformed, they eat babies. They'll talk about cuts, but they won't tell us where they will cut. Because if they tell us where they truly will cut, you might offend your voters. And God forbid you do that. God forbid you offend your friends because you need your friends to keep you in a small minority. Sometimes it takes a true leader to say, no, no. This is a policy that my side doesn't like, the other side might not like, But when we truly peel it back, everybody will like it. We're getting ready for, well, we're celebrating, not celebrating, but we're getting ready for a year ago, this year ago, uh, this this year, uh, the Ukraine war. You know, what do I say? It's been a year and we're still fighting this war. We're still fighting a war to appease a man that thinks a country does not exist and its citizens aren't real. And who suffers? The Ukrainian people suffer, the Russian people suffer. The African people suffer. European people suffer. The American people suffer. For what? You know, who remembers the crash of 08? Remember when Lehman Brothers, we let Lehman Brothers go? And then we came to realize that by letting Lehman Brothers go, Lehman Brothers, had we saved it, the Great Recession wouldn't have been as bad as it was. I think Ukraine is Lehman Brothers in this concept because I feel the war has made everything awful. And if we just fix the war, things will be, as you could say, less awful. (laughs) You know, the sad part is we did not give Ukraine the resources it needed before the war. I think there were some of us who feared that Ukraine would lose, and we were dead set that we believed in the hype of the Russian military. You know, God forbid this great Russian military. we, We bought the myth. We bought the myth that the Russian military could not be beat and the day that russia invaded ukraine we said 24 72 hours it's done a year goes by and ukraine is still fighting with our help can you imagine had we given them the aid they needed a year ago today something i said i said we spent 800 something a billion dollars on a defense budget, what is it for? And you could say, well, Mark, at the time you felt the passion of the Ukrainian people in the Ukraine war. You're right, I did feel the passion. I did feel for those people. And I still feel for those people. I feel for those people because all they want to do is live in peace. They don't care about Russia. They just want to live their life. So why should they suffer for a man that doesn't think they exist? It still breaks my heart. You know, and, and, and then you have you have countries like Germany and other countries in Europe who have dragged their feet because they don't wanna help the people of Ukraine. And it wrackles my mind because I say, if you let Ukraine fall, you're just allowing Russia to continue to roll on. You've got people in the House of Representatives who don't think we need to give more aid to the Ukrainian people. You could say we've given them enough. You could say we have issues here in America that we need to deal with. And you would be right. But I would tell you this, if we don't help the Ukrainian people and we allow, like Lehman Brothers, we allow that country to fall, we'll be surprised. Well, we can't be surprised when we get the same ending that we got when we let Lehman go that we'd get if we let Ukraine go. Can you imagine how we given them the support they needed, the money, the tools, everything at the beginning of the war? Maybe the war would be over. Maybe Putin would be out of power, maybe you'd have a different leader in maybe you have a different leader in Russia. But no, no, no. We 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 wanted to see. We took a you could say we had a president that took a wait and see approach to see how it would play out. We had a European approach that would, well, you know, they wanted to see how it would play out. But now we are slowly giving them things that we told them, no, we're saying yes now. I now, unlike then, agree we should not have sent troops in. At that time, I thought I was ready to go to war, but now I know that would have been wrong. Because what I believed in Afghanistan, I believe in Ukraine. You can't help a country save themselves. They have to be willing to, to fight. And I looked at Afghanistan and I saw that they weren't willing to fight. Well, some of them were, but the country fell. I look at Ukraine and I see the passion in their eyes. They're fighting for something. They're fighting for their survival. They're fighting for their country. So, when I hear people on the right and some on the left say, maybe we've given too much, maybe we need to pull back, I can see where they're coming from. I can agree to a point, but I also agree that we need to give Ukraine everything they need to finish this war off. Because if we let Ukraine fall, We can't be surprised at the outcome. Now, as a year has gone by, what are we seeing? We're seeing Russia ramp up. They are getting troops ready because they think, I think this is Putin's last hurrah. This time he's going all in. Before he went half in. This time he's going all in. And they are about to invade Ukraine again because Putin knows if he does not get it right by the end of the year, the Russian people will make him get it right. And when I say that, I think think they won't say it because they are scared, but I think if you read between the lines, if you were in Russia, I think there's a sense of we're tired. We don't know the meaning of this war. We're tired. You see, if you watch the people, the the, the propagandists on Russian TV, they're painting a picture. But if you talk to the average Russian, if you looked at the average Russian and you got them to speak honestly, if you got them to speak the truth, they would say, we're tired. What is this war for? Why are we fighting our brothers and our sisters? Our kids are coming back in body bags and we're told to hush. We're told to just smile, but what is this all for? Why did my son, my brother, uncle, dad have to die? What is this all for? You know, I remember reading an article where a mother said, if these people we sent to help don't want help, fuck them. That's a sign. That's a sign. People saying we're there to help them and they don't want our help. Then fuck them. You would say the same thing too. If I went to your, if you went to my house to help me and I fought you tooth and nail, you would eventually say, you know what, Mark, fuck them. Fuck you. I came to help you. And this is the thanks I get putin is going all in this time and i think if you're looking you're seeing the nato allies finally finally realizing they need to have the back of the ukrainian people we can't drag our feet anymore we cannot turn away anymore we have to be willing to go all the way now Because the Ukraine, Ukrainian people need us to. You could almost say the Russian people need us to. The Russian people need us to speed up the process. This is a year out. This is the last hurrah. Let's make it a good one. Let's give the right the Ukrainian people everything they need. Let's show them that the world has their back. Let's show Putin that you can't invade a country based on a sick premise you have that just won't fly. You know, there's articles now reading that we're slowly fading into war war 3. And You can look at the premise of World War III and World War I, or not World War I, but World War II. At the time, the American people did not want to go to war. But if you look at history, what was going on, you had a president that was slowly, slowly doing things that were leading us to war. Some would say that Biden is doing the same thing. Some would say we're fighting this proxy war with China and Russia. And we are. We're fighting this proxy war with China, Russia, and Iran. And the question is, who's going to win? Because whoever comes out of this war, whoever comes out of, come on now, will determine the future of the global economy. You see, when we won in World War II, America led the way and the rest of the world followed. This time, we have to win again. We can't be pussyfooting around, we can't not have the president's back when it comes to giving the Ukrainian people everything they need and desire. We need to have their back. We need to tell them that the American people stand with them. Because if we happen to go to World War III, or Ukraine happens to be some small World War III you know, mindset, and we and ukraine wins america will once again lead the way some people say china is watching china is watching to see how this all plays out because they're looking at taiwan and if america and the world were to turn their backs on ukraine what would we have seen we would have seen a taiwan fall Probably within a year. But China is sitting back and watching. They're buying their time. They want to see, you can almost see, they're trying to see where Russia has gone wrong and where Russia has gone right. I can tell you where Russia went wrong. They didn't go in Ukraine all the way. They went half-stepping because, you know, Putin got bad intel. And as he got bad intel, look at the outcome he got. But him going in all the way tells the China people, this is how you do it. Now, I like to believe that Ukraine will stand tall. Ukraine will stand strong. But if you have a Ukraine, uh, Russian forces, go in full steam ahead. You have to fear what could happen. You have to fear what could happen. It could not be good. Ukraine could fall because Russia just overwhelms them. Then the question would be, what does America do? How do we retaliate if we let, come on now, if we let Ukraine fall to Russia? A year ago, we let it happen. Let's not repeat. Let's not repeat. Please, let's not repeat. We cannot repeat. Please, let's not repeat. We can't repeat. We must not repeat. One thing that's we're seeing now, and we're seeing a lot of are these floating balloons in the air. You know, makes you wonder what is China's end game? What were they trying to accomplish by these balloons? You know, a lot of flack. I gave and others gave to the president of not shooting the balloon down and waiting for it to travel across the United States. Well, as I did some reading, I saw where they wanted to study the balloon. They wanted to track it. It was, as you could say, it was a class to see how China does things. It's a risky class because you're allowing a country to get intel and send the intel back to the motherland now i can kind of agree that you should study what your foes are doing but i disagree because i think it allows an adversary country to know where our security spots are our weak spots are Another aspect that boggled my mind is when, you know, they said, well, under Trump, this happened too. And you were quick to see the pushback from Trump and other Trump officials to say it did not happen. But then as I dug deeper and I read a little bit more, some said that maybe it happened, but no one let the president know. Think about that. The Something was floating in the air from another country taking intel of our country and no one felt the need to let the President of the United States know about it because they feared he would act in a way that could harm us. That should give you pause if we reelect Donald Trump that this happened under his watch but his own officials would not tell him. That says a lot. That says a lot about his leadership style. That says a lot about his people under him, that they did not trust him with this information. But you will see some people won't see that. Now, I agree with the premise that we should study what our foes are doing, but I also want to go back that we should have just shot it down. We should have just shot it down. By letting it go over our safe spots, our weak spots, we're showing China where the jewelry is. You know, I I, I know that, you know, I I watched an interview this weekend, and an official, a high-ranking official who's retired said, This shows us that China is using 1980s technology because their satellites aren't strong enough. That they have to come down from the sky to be seen to get the intel. Well, that that gives you some comfort, but at the same time, that gives you pause. You know, I still remember that article where You had two generals say by 2025, you or we will be going to war with China. And as soon as that happened, you're seeing the balloons. I think you need to have a president get on the phone and push back on President Xi and tell him to cut the fucking shit out. Cut the fucking shit out. And every time a balloon enters our airspace, blow it up, shoot it down. We have to show the Chinese people that America means business. We need to show the Chinese president that America means business. We can't have a weak response. But what do you see? You'll see some aspects of people saying, well, under Trump's watch, this never would have happened. And as you can see with some of that, that was quickly uh, hushed because of, as you can see, it happened under his watch but once again you need strong leadership no matter who the president is and if you have a president whose own officials can't tell him about this incident that should give you pause because it gives it, it goes into question is goes into questions of what else weren't they telling president trump were they running a secret government under the current government without us knowing that just opens a lot of doors that that opens a lot of questions now would we have liked the response that trump would have gave china maybe not but maybe an incident like that with a president that some deem erratic maybe could have brought this country together maybe he could have got the left to back him along with the right to show China that America will always be divided when you do something that tests us. And at the end of the day, that's what we seek. I want a government that is united and willing to do whatever it takes to protect the American people. You know what's sad as we go along? The Republicans ran on inflation and crime. The question I asked them is, where's the bill? They are doing hearings on, you know, Twitter and, you know, how the FBI spied on the American people and the corruption of the FBI. Not one hearing on immigration, not one hearing on inflation, not one hearing on crime. We are seeing a a Republican House uh, governing on a a revenge tactic. You see, they're looking at impeaching, what? The Homeland Secretary. Because they claim the Homeland Secretary is not doing his job. Well, maybe he's doing his job, but he's not doing it the way you want him to. Because if you impeach the Homeland Secretary on not doing his job you're setting a precedent a precedent that can come back and bite a a republican administration we're seeing a congress govern on a revenge tactic they go after twitter because they claim twitter twitter suppressed a story about the president's son and In their mind, that story would have what swayed the election. I don't buy that. I don't buy that one simple story that supposedly was suppressed on Twitter, but we heard about. The question I would tell my Republican counterparts is this. If you were so dead set on the story, we heard about the New York Post. People have Internet access. They know how to Google something. So if you tell them Hunter Biden, New York Post, it's there, just give people the information. Now, if people choose not to go to the well of where you tell them to go for the information, you can't blame Twitter for suppressing it. You put it out there. People just chose not to what? Read it. So was the the information truly suppressed? Or did people just not read the information you thought they should? So you blame Twitter for the mistakes of what? The American people not stepping up to the plate. Another hearing about the FBI and how woke and crooked they are. This is not what the American people care about. The American people are getting squeezed at the grocery store, at the gas pump. Crime is running rampant. You told us you would solve one problem, but it seems you're too busy on solving the problems you think there are. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to do better. We can do better. We and the State of the Union, are we're divided. But we can't be strong. Give me one year. Let's sit down. Let's talk. Let's break bread. And after that one year, let's fight like cats and dogs. One year, we can do this. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. God bless.